So the reading is taken from John chapter 20, beginning to read at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Thank you, Matthew. Good evening and happy Easter. As we begin this evening, let's uh, pray as we start. Father, we thank you for the amazing news of Easter. And Lord, we pray that the words that may be familiar to us, the story that we may have heard year after year, we pray, Father, that you would take that story, take that news, and grasp our hearts afresh this evening. As we consider the resurrection, it would not simply impact our evening, but impact on tomorrow, our week, our months, our years. To the glory of your name we pray. Amen. Now, uh, imagine this. Uh, imagine that during the service, uh, you, you feel a bit of a buzz in your pocket and your phone goes off. It's buzzing and buzzing. You're very grateful that you remember to turn it on silent so you don't get that embarrassing, awkward uh, ringtone uh, that we kind of all imagine is going to happen. So you, you sort of wonder what it is, but you ignore it because you're in the service. It stops ringing. A few seconds later, you hear another little buzz and you think, well, that's a voicemail. I, I can check it later. And as you're walking home, you, you, you pull out your phone again and you, you look at the number and you just don't recognise it. In fact, it's an 0207 code. It's a London code. And you're like, that's a bit weird, especially on Sunday, especially on Easter Sunday. But, but you dial 901 or get your voicemail tab up and 
we had this message. I said, oh, good evening, Mr. Martin. I'm sorry to call you on a Sunday evening, but it was such good news. I just couldn't wait. Uh, You had an old friend who's left you an inheritance of their estate, their whole estate, in fact. And it's to the value of 100 million pounds. How would that change your day? Uh, Now imagine this. Um, It's a dark Sunday evening. You'll gather together with your closest friends. Your whole world's a bit of a spin. A couple of days ago, you witnessed the most unjust, unfair, trumped-up kangaroo court you could imagine, where your friend, master, lord, was sentenced to death and then butchered on a Roman cross. And you're petrified. Uh, This morning, the women have gone to the tomb and said it was empty and they saw Jesus. Like, what's going on? And then, heart in mouth, he appears. He's there, right in front of your eyes. I mean, how would that change your day? Now, both examples would change your day, wouldn't they? They would. But actually, here's a challenge right from the off. Which one would change your day more? Which one would have the greater impact? Now, one of my um, favorite days of the year is the 1st of January. You know, new year, new you, new habits, uh, new things to try, new diet, new exercise regime, all that sort of stuff, new apps, uh, new TV shows. It it feels like a a whole new thing, doesn't it? Well, here we see, in our passage this evening, it's a whole new, on a entirely different scale. If you've got your Bibles open, uh, chapter 20, verse 1, early on the first day, on the first day of the week. Chapter 20, verse 19, on the evening of the first day of the week, uh, this is start of something totally new. And what's new? Well, here it is, verses 19 and 20. Jesus is alive. Uh, Jesus is alive. As I alluded to earlier in the introduction, uh, the disciples are locked away. Uh, They're fearful of the authorities uh, because they hounded Jesus. They hounded him to death. And Jesus is the one who told them, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. So it's no wonder that they're hiding. It's no wonder that things aren't bright and rosy. But then into that he comes. Jesus, the one who was dead, the one who was slaughtered upon a cross, is alive and with them. He's resurrected to life, and not life as we know it, to a whole new level of life. One where he's not bound by a physically locked door. There he is. And he comes and says, why are you so afraid? I've got the door locked. Was that what verse 19 says? The first words out of Jesus' mouth. It's not anger that his friends abandoned him on that first Maundy Thursday. It's not rebuke 
over their fear on that first Easter Sunday morning, the very first words that come out of his mouth is peace. Peace be with you. And then he shows them his hands and his sides. He's alive. It's really him. And he's still the ever-loving, ever-gentle saviour. And in an instant, the disciples' fear is turned to joy. Because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Now, the resurrection of Jesus in sort of Christian doctrine terms, that is to say Christian truth terms, uh, means a whole host of different things. It shows us that he really was the son of God. It shows us that he has the power to raise those from the dead. It shows us that we need not fear death because he was raised. It shows us that actually all will be raised and Jesus will be the judge. But here... In John's gospel, John has something very specific in mind. He wants to land the idea that Jesus is alive in a very specific way. And what is that? Well, verses 19 and 20, Jesus is alive. But then verses 21 to 23. So go. Jesus is alive, so go. The resurrection changes everything more than inheriting 100 million pounds. And Jesus says, go. He says, in fact, doesn't he? As the father has sent me, I'm sending you. What does that really mean? What does Jesus mean? As the father sent me, I'm sending you. Well, here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we have the same mission as Jesus. God the Father sent the Son to reveal and redeem humanity. He didn't send you or me to do that, did he? (laughs) See, when people look at us, they don't see God. When they look at Jesus, they do. We can't make people right with God through any action. Only Jesus can do that. We are not the Messiah of the world. And when we say it out loud, it sounds absurd, doesn't it? We we know we're not the Messiah. That's ridiculous. We have a chuckle of a laugh. But yet, why is it that sometimes, or is it just me that sort of thinks that I am? Subconsciously, I don't pray because I think it's about me. I think it's really about what I do and my work. No, we need to remember and hear that we are not the saviour of the world. Jesus is. Jesus is. And so when he says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you... We might say, actually, Jesus is sending his followers in a, in a perpetual state, a continuing state of sentness. He continually sends his followers into a world to point back to him and say, look, there he is. That's God's saviour. It's Jesus. It's him. And so today, you and I have been sent. 
You've been sent into your family that you live with and amongst. You've been sent to the school you attend or the workplace you go to. You've been sent into your friendships and your neighbourhoods. You've been sent to Tesco, Asda, Sainsbury's, Audi, Waitrose, whatever supermarket you choose. You've been sent to your tennis club or book group. You've been sent to point people back to Jesus. They look, there he is. It's him. The Lord has sent you and me with the mission of speaking of him. The one who really can and did change the world. But as we do that, what do we say? Uh, Well, that's where we get those funny verses at the end of verse 22 and verse 23. uh, Jesus said and briefed them, receive the Holy Spirit. This people saying, well, Ben, I I thought that came in Acts 2 at Pentecost. Uh, And you're absolutely right. It did. Uh, Here, rather, Jesus is symbolically showing what will happen to them in the future. In other words, he's saying, look, it's as good as done that you will receive the Spirit, because the Spirit is one that will help you, that will empower you, that will enable you to carry out this task. And then verse 23 is staggering. Remember he said, we're not the Messiah, he is. We can't forgive people's sins, only he can. So rather, what he's saying is, we can have such confidence in the gospel That we can say to anybody, trust in the Lord and your sins will be forgiven. It's a done deal. That delegated authority. We're not actually forgiving their sins. We can't do that. Only Jesus can. But we can say with confidence that anybody who will turn and trust will be forgiven. And anybody who's God's spirit-empowered follower, will want to say those words to everybody. Trust in the Lord and you will be forgiven. And so today, if you're hearing this or watching this and you don't trust Jesus, then today you can trust in the Lord and be forgiven and have life. Today, with absolute certainty and confidence. Jesus is alive, and so it changes everything. And we are the sent ones, going into every area of life, knowing that we've been sent there. Does that mean that every time you walk into Tesco or your work, you you should be speaking of Jesus? No. But it doesn't stop the fact that Jesus sent you there. That you are a sent one into that environment. That Jesus is alive and now sends his followers into the world. And so that just changes our perspective. Wealth and promotion and success aren't all that because they will disappear. But Jesus is alive. He won't. Uh, trying to avoid sickness and even death won't get you anywhere. But for those that trust in Jesus, he's alive. And he has already defeated sin and death and sickness. Therefore, because Jesus is alive, as the sent ones, our lives ought to be noticeably different from those around us. 
Is that true? Is that true for you? Is it true for me? Are our lives noticeably different? Jesus is alive, so go. But then our story moves on a week or so, doesn't it? And then the attention focuses on Thomas, although it's still really about Jesus. Because he wasn't there when Jesus came. They all saw Jesus, except he didn't. And now it feels a bit like the queen came to visit your school when you were off sick. And all your mates are saying, oh, the queen came, the queen came, you should have seen it, it was amazing. You're like, no, she didn't. Thomas won't believe. But then what do we see? Verses 24 to 28. Jesus is alive. Again, uh, hammering home the same point. Jesus is alive. And do you notice how similar the situation is? It's the first day of the week and the disciples were together again in a locked room. And Thomas refused to believe unless he can touch the hands and sides. Now, we give Thomas a, a bit of a rough ride, don't we, sometimes? Uh, we call him Doubting Thomas, although it's never a title he's ever given in the Bible. But really, actually, all he was asking for was the exact same thing the disciples were given. Uh, verse 20, Jesus showed them his hands and his side. So really, Thomas is just wanting the same experience his friends had. And then Jesus comes again. He comes and says, Thomas, why don't you believe your friends? No. Verse 26, he comes again and says, Peace be with you. Thomas, peace be with you. Thomas, See my hands. See my side. Jesus steps down. He condescends. He allows Thomas what he wants with gentleness and humility. And then he simply asks Thomas, he says, Thomas, stop doubting and believe. And without needing to touch like he said he would, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Jesus is really alive. It is an event that changes everything. First of all, we said, Jesus is alive, so go. And now we see Jesus is alive. So verse 29, believe, believe. There are all sorts of evidences for the resurrection. We could go down all sorts of different paths to explain why, why the resurrection makes the most sense. It is the most believable explanation for what happened. And if you want to chat about those, I'll gladly point you to them to him. So just uh, give me a shout afterwards. But none of those will make you believe. Uh, they're a bit like clearing cones off the road so it's easier to drive on. No, the claim of Christianity is far, far greater the claim is that, that, that God made the world from nothing, zero, zilch, nada. Nothing to something. Uh, then he, he chose uh, one man 
Uh, One man uh, to establish a a people for himself and to say, I'm going to love this people and this people are going to show the world how great I am. And the nation grew. It became established, but then it turned from its maker to itself. It became lost in its pride. It, It followed other gods of the world. And at this point, God could have said, well, look, you've made your bed. You can just rot in that. But he didn't. He acted. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And he entered our world, not in clouds and glory, but in humility. As a baby. He even held down a job for 20 or so years. He wasn't like some sort of uh, undercover boss who suddenly leapt out at the ends. And then, when people came looking for trouble, he embraced it. He allowed himself to be led like a sheep to the slaughter. And he carried through with the plan. He was laid among the earth that he formed with his hands. But after three days, death could not hold him. He rose to new life and he did that for you and for me. And this evening, the 4th of April, 2021, do you believe that? Uh, Do you believe that these things that are written are true? Do you believe that Jesus is now risen and ascended and seated in heaven at the right hand of God? Because Jesus is alive, it changes everything. And so blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believe. Jesus is alive, so go. Jesus is alive, so believe. And now, finally, 30 to 31. Jesus is alive, so what? What's the point of all of this? Uh, Why has John written this down? Well, verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not recorded in this book. Indeed, at the very end of the next chapter, uh, we read these words. Uh, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have the room for the books that would be written. John 20, 21, 25. See, we could go on and on about Jesus. He is so good. No sermon, no book could contain him. But John has written these things. Why? Jesus is alive. So what? Verse 31. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Uh, John has written everything so that we might believe that Jesus is God. And as we do, we have life. Jesus is alive. So what? So what? Believe in him. So what? Well, believe he's God's son. So what? Well, as you believe he's God, you will find life. 
John wants us to have the same response as Thomas, to fall on knees and say, my Lord and my God. And as we do, we find life. All the words written in here are to bring life. I asked you at the beginning how a hundred million pounds would change your day. And as you heard that, however fleeting or long you pondered that, whatever you thought of, it can't bring life. It cannot bring you purpose. It cannot stop death. But because Jesus is alive, it changes everything. It shows us what we were made for, and it points us to life now, to enjoy life now, as well as to know life to come. So as we close, let's go back to where we started. Let's imagine a world where Jesus really is alive. What difference might it make? Well, when life brings unexpected times of illness, unemployment or despair, there's one who loved you enough to come and die but also rise to say, I can hold you today. When life sneaks up upon you with sadness in the family, there's one who comes, say, I loved you enough to come and die, but also rise, and so now I am with you in your sadness and tears. When life deals you a hand where you're surrounded by those who mock you at school, or work. There is one who loved you enough to come and die, but rise and now say, I will always love you and never abandon you. When life comes and it feels like we're being sold short, There's one who loved us enough to come and die and rise and say, I'll give you life. When life draws to an end and each breath gets harder and harder, there is one who loved you enough to come and die and rise and say, my sister, my brother, life is just starting. that's only true if Jesus is alive these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name happy Easter Jesus lives